welcome back to the wise man's page. I can't do it. This is page uh, 806. This is a podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear. I waited just outside the reach of the longest branches, watching for a break in their motion. I hoped their random spinning would just for a moment open into a path I could dart through, striking away any leaves that came too close. I could use fan water to keep them away from my face. I stood at the edge of the canopy and watched, waiting for an opening, trying to anticipate the pattern. Motion of the tree... The motion of the tree lulled me like it had so many times before. It was beautiful, all circles and arcs. As I watched... Gently dazed by the motion of the tree, I felt my mind slip lightly into the clear, empty float of spinning leaf. I realized the motion of the tree wasn't random at all. It was actually a pattern made of endless changing patterns. And then, my mind open and empty, I saw the wind spread out before me. It was like frost forming on a blank sheet of window glass. One moment, nothing. The next, I could see the name of the wind as clearly as the back of my own hand. I looked around for a moment, marveling in it. I tasted the shape of it on my tongue and knew knew if desired I could stir it to a storm. I could hush it to a whisper, leaving the sword tree hanging empty and still. But that seemed wrong. Instead, I simply opened my eyes wide to the wind, watching where it would choose to push the branches, watching where it would flick the leaves. Then I stepped under the canopy, calmly, as you would walk through your own front door. I took two steps, then stopped as a pair of leaves sliced through the air in front of me. I stepped sideways and forward as the wind spun around as the wind spun another branch through the space behind me. I moved through the dancing branches of the sword tree, not running, not frantically batting them away with my hands. I stepped carefully, deliberately. It was, I realized, the way Shaheen moved when she fought. Not quickly, though sometimes she was quick. She moved perfectly, always where she needed to be. Almost before I realized it, I was standing on the dark earth that circled the wide trunk of the sword tree. The spitting leaves could not reach here. Safe for the moment. I relaxed and focused on what was waiting there for me. The sword I had seen from the edge of the clearing was down to the tree with a white silk cord that ran around the trunk. The sword was half drawn from its sheath and I could see the blade was similar to Vachette's sword. The metal was an odd, burnished grey, without mark or blemish. Next to the tree on a small table sat a familiar red shirt, folded neatly in half. There was an arrow with stark white fletching, and a polished wooden cylinder of the sort that would hold a scroll. And that's the page! I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. 
think we've mentioned this before, but he named Spinning Leaf before he ever encountered the tree, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm. Mm. Sort of a foundational thing, this tree, tied into the very nature of the world. Knowing the names that Quoth gets from this, if we look at how he approaches uh, this practice, like how, how do you feel like those things connect? I feel like the more he is able to encounter and name the wind, the more familiar he gets with it. This is like the third or fourth time that he does it. And he's able to fall into spinning leaf quite quickly, just like looking at the tree, in addition to kind of being in his element. Like it's a combination of the things that make him him. Uh, he's he's on stage, so he becomes more comfortable. He's already practiced spinning leaf before, and now he is at the very manifestation of the spinning leaf and the wind itself. Uh, so that's and he's you know he's been naming the wind more 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 often recently. He he did it when he battled Valyrian. Uh, so the the state comes on him, and he is able to. Yeah, that didn't answer my question at all, but it was... Yeah, Jordana, were you going to ask Nick, how does this connect to the names that the ADM yes. give him? I think the answer is they don't. Jeremy, you are a fun ruiner. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm pushing back on this because, uh, you know, spoiler warning, he stills the wind uh, in order to walk out of it and return with nothing but his willingness to bleed for the school. But in so doing, he like breaks the tree, so to speak, because the wind never stops blowing in Hert and the tree is always in motion. And so when it becomes stilled, uh, he has broken the tree. And that is one of his names. I would argue that like the deliberate quality of his steps in going towards the tree would contribute to the thunder part. Because like thunder has a specific timing, right? Like thunder's timing is based on when lightning strikes. See, I've... I have always interpreted the flame, the thunder, the broken tree to literally be like a, three panels of a comic book. The lightning strike, the thunder that follows, the tree is broken. Um, so maybe that's why I'm like not convinced by that. Well, that's what's neat about it is that they are they are all kind of related, you know, in terms of like visual visually and in terms of causality. But there is sort of that space between. I don't think all the names come from this mm. test, Jordana. I think like this is perhaps one facet of it, but I think the naming yeah. is even more profound than that. But I think it's like one one element of it. I don't think they like name him after the thing he did. I don't think we have like mm-hmm. uh Tempe who is called like Turtleback in his secret name, you know, because he did a turtleback maneuver in order to get out of the tree. I, just, I think that it's just like a, maybe it's a part of it. Also, they, they get their calling names when they're younger, right? They don't always get them when they do this test. Unclear. But I do think, Nick, that you're right that the broken tree might in part refer to this moment, this this test. And also when he breaks the tree to free the Cathay, that'll be the broken tree as well. <sighs> you were What you were saying earlier, Nick, like it does almost feel like Foth has been, in some ways this test was made for him. Like he has such a particular set of skills and experiences that allow him to perform kind of unexpectedly well at this test. There's a line where he says, I moved the way Shaheen moved when she fought, not quickly, but perfectly. And, you know, there's a through line here to the idea that like mastery or, you know, being advanced in the Lathani, being advanced in the Ketan is close to Mm -hmm. being advanced as a name. Another way of naming. Yeah. 
Yeah, another way of accessing magic. Sort of like uh, the way that the gift in Shadowrun manifests, where some are some are, are wizards, adept, some, some are wizards, are shamans, some are shamans, and some are adepts. Yeah, exactly. That's right. That's right. And furthermore, this is also demonstrating a different way in which the power of naming can be used, the naming state, because he does not call the name of the wind in this moment. He simply he has you know reached into the forest and now he can see you know the patterns of of the wind and the living things and he can like move with them he is aware of it he's using force sense without having to use like force push or you know sure. force leap i mean actually i totally get that but yes i i also love a fictional test where there's a bunch of items and each item symbolizes something but what exactly it symbolizes is a little bit vague nick you mentioned the um the test from the last crusade where Indy has to decide which one is the real cup of Christ. I, in mythology, there's also famously uh, when they want to recruit Achilles for the war against Troy, uh, his mother hides him away with like the women in the local palace. Cause she doesn't want him to go die. Uh, and Odysseus figures out what's going on. And he's like, okay, I have, I know how to get Achilles out of there. I'm not just going to look for all the, the ladies with hairy legs and beards. Instead, I'm going to pretend to be a peddler, show up with a bunch of like items in my peddler's pack, and among them will be a sword. And when I show the items to all the ladies, Odysseus uh, believes that Achilles won't be able to help himself from just like grabbing the sword because he's a man born to go fight wars. And that is, of course, exactly what happens. And then I feel like the modern, the more contemporary reference for this is in Cabin in the Woods when they go into the spooky basement with all the different cursed objects and which one they pick decides which horrible monster is going to come out and kill them all. But in the end, everybody gets killed by a horrible monster though, right? Yeah, because in the end, everything gets picked, which is great because you get to see the payoff of all the objects there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're betting at the beginning. The people in the office are betting on which one the teens are going to pick and they pick the diary that releases the, the torture redneck zombies, the Buckners. And relevantly, you, the audience, are like, ooh, I hope they pick this one. It's going to be so great watching them get killed by the faceless ballerina. And then eventually you get to see the faceless ballerina. Yeah, what's, what's, what's the creepy little ballet box? What's the conch gonna do uh, <laughs> and then we, yeah the joy yeah. is that we get to find out what all of them do see really we are the we are the monsters we are the cabin we are the woods we are the big hand at the end that smashes the camera spoilers yeah i'm never gonna see that so don't worry about it oh you should it's fantastic yeah and you know in, in, again spoilers for this book but quoth sort of does a similar thing where he's like all of those choices will signify something that i don't understand or there will be like weight to it and i you know i can't he sort of he sort of Kobayashi Maru's it, doesn't he? Yeah, he cheats. He cheats. Yeah. Well, he he engineers a way out of a no-win situation. Exactly. I reject your I reject the framing of the choice you're giving me, and I'm going to make my own choice that you didn't present. Yeah. Uh not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but the end of this chapter is so badass. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it's it's a great uh, it's also a great tension dropper mm -hmm. yeah that's that's the other thing i was going to say about this page is that this whole this page and this whole sequence but this page in particular is very exciting it's very like you know it feels as exciting as any action sequence in this book because there's because the stakes are really high right there's a lot riding on it and there's a lot of like mystery to it and this is the climax of the sequence and we like quoth are trying to compare what we know of the adam culture to the signifiers that we see, for example, on this page, we get to see, uh, you know, the sword, 
which you know has some signifiers that should be fairly obvious. And then we see the red tunic, and we're like, okay, we know that this might signify like the desire to be a mercenary and to wear the red. And then we see the arrow with the white fletching, which has resonances with their with the story about. Uh, Aetha and Reitha. That's right. And then there's the cylinder with a scroll, which also has resonances with with that. But also like implications about like knowledge and scholarliness, uh, at least to yeah. us. But and like that's that's what's great about it, because we are also forced to confront the fact that we have preconceptions about these things that maybe they don't in Aedemra because we haven't explored that much of it. And uh, you know, we like both might be wrong about our assumptions. Folks, it's good. Almost as good as Cabin in the Woods. Because it's the end of the episode. Until tomorrow, when we'll be back for yet another page of The uh, Wind. Wind.